Hi, I'm Zakia Elias and this is Representation Matters, a conversation around equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace podcast series by The Equal Group, bringing you stories, insights and learnings around optimising equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Today's guest is Oge Ejizu. Oge is an experienced project manager in Prince2 and Agile who has over 10 years of experience in the charity sector. She is also the London regional leader for a charity organisation called Black Girls Hike. This led us to have a very interesting conversation about diversity in the outdoors. Let's take a listen to the conversation, which began with me asking, who is Oge Ejizu? Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Oge and um, thank you for that warm welcome and introduction. Um, I just say, yeah, a, a little bit about me. Yeah, so I, I am a project uh, manager by, by trade and I've worked in the charity sector for a long time. That's uh, really what I'm passionate about. Um, and also on the sides, another passion of mine is hiking. And um, yeah, I love all things about hiking and the outdoors. And it's something that is that was newly introduced to me that I've really taken up as a, as a passion of mine. So your passion for hiking is what led you to get involved with the organisation Black Girls Hike. So for those who don't know about uh, the organisation, can you just tell us a bit about it and you know how exactly you got involved? Yeah, so Black Girls Hike started in 2019 um, by um, our founder, Rianne, and it was as a response to the lack of representation in the outdoors, specifically seeing Black women hiking. Um, She wanted to create like a safe space for Black women to get out and explore the outdoors without feeling um, like the odd one out or experiencing any type of microaggression. So it's uh, about being a community for Black women to explore the the outdoors um, safely. I got into it um, recently, so this year. I became the London Regional Leader in April and um, I've really enjoyed uh, being a part of Let Girls Hike and it's been amazing to see just the growth and and the development of the organisation and kind of building it to be something sustainable in the future. Yeah, I think it's a really wonderful organisation. Uh, when I read into it, it was, I was really inspired as well. And I really enjoyed the message that you're giving across, especially you know, creating a safe space uh, for black women and trying to build them into these confident women who, who aren't afraid to express themselves outdoors. So your role as a regional leader, what does what does that entail? So, yeah, it basically entails um, kind of organising different routes for the group to explore and leading them on the hikes and just being able to facilitate that. Because I think sometimes it can feel intimidating if you've never hiked before, or if it's your first time, it can feel intimidating to go out there because you don't really know what you're doing or you may not have that experience. And so as a leader, um, my role is to just kind of facilitate um, women to be able to get outdoors and take them on different routes and kind of answer any questions that anyone um, has. Um, One of the big things about Black Girls Hike, one of our core values is really being uh, an organisation that develops and provides educational pathways for people who want to kind of increase their knowledge or experience or expertise in the outdoors. So being able to also offer things like skills weekends and and kind of pathways for people who want to become like mountain leaders or want to become regional leaders themselves. Okay, so you offer uh, experiences to, to help people become mountain leaders. 
Yeah, so it's not just so for people who do want to get outdoors and just experience being outdoors with black women, that's okay. Um, and for people who want to kind of develop that and want to like um, increase their passion or increase their experience or expertise in the outdoors, we want to be able to provide that space and that pathway for people to do that as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to give like a varied experience for kind of the beginners and also for people who are advanced and who want to learn more as well. So when did you start hiking? Have you always been quite active and, you know, outdoorsy? <laughs> um, no, uh, I actually haven't. I was never, I didn't, I wasn't brought up with the kind of quote unquote outdoors. Um, I think for me, hiking never was in my vocabulary it wasn't something that I that I grew up doing or I thought of doing it wasn't until maybe 2017 one of my best friends um would always drag me out to come out walking and at first I was really reluctant I was like oh no I don't want to go but then as I started to go I started to see kind of the the benefits of being outdoors and exploring like different parts of the UK and just seeing how beautiful nature is and um, it wasn't until maybe 2018 when we went on a hike to Dartmoor that I started to get a sense of wow I really love being outdoors and I wanted to kind of explore it for myself and um, yeah so I guess it was 2018 when I went to Dartmoor that I started to see a love for the outdoors for myself rather than it being someone having to drag me out all the time and so yeah so I wanted to build from there and learn more about the outdoors for myself. So did you end up researching and then finding out about Black Girls Hike or how was that process of kind of finding out about the organisation initially? So yeah, it was, um, so as I was going out on more hikes with my friend, I, one of the things that I definitely noticed was A, there wasn't a lot of women on the hikes that we would go on and B, there was uh, zero to none (laughs) (laughs) black people that I saw on hikes. And so I started to play this game with counting how many black people I would see on a hike (laughs) and I would always come back and there would be, um, it would be really sad that I couldn't see any black people. And then I started to talk to my friend about it, that I'd really love to either lead something or be involved in, in something that encourages black people, especially black women to get outdoors and explore the outdoors because I know how for myself, how it was kind of isolating going um, to the outdoors solo. And then so I went on Instagram and I just typed in black girls hiking <laughs> and, um, and then just looked through like the accounts and the hashtags. And that's when I came across. Okay. And then, yeah, I just followed um, the organization from there, followed Rianne and um, just started liking and commenting on, on all the posts. And then she followed me back and then, um, yeah, we just got talking from there and then, you know, and that was it really. Yeah. <laughs> so do you remember what your first hike was like with the organization or do you have any memorable experiences that you want to share with us? I'd say my first the first hike that I did with Black Girls Hike was in um, obviously because of lockdown mm. uh, we couldn't start the hikes as soon as we wanted to or I couldn't go on any of the hikes um, that had been planned um, and so the first one that I ever led and was involved in was the one that we kind of did in London on the 1st of August 
So um, that was kind of the first London walk and that was the first walk I led and that was my first walk with Black Girls Hike. And so it was uh, a lot of firsts. And yeah, I remember we had created a flyer and we had put it on our Instagram and then uh, Twitter and Facebook. And we said, everyone was welcome to come. And um, yeah, it was, I I remember we put the meet time at 11.45 just to give people time to, to arrive. And then I remember I came at 11.40 because I thought I'd be a bit early. And when I came out of the, the train station where the, the meeting point was, I remember I saw about 30, 40 people and I just was so oh, overwhelmed. Wow. <laughs> because I had thought, oh, maybe only 15 people would come, maybe 30 max. But it was just as the train doors were opening, it was just like a flood of all of these black women that were coming out of the the train station. And I was just like, oh, my (laughs) God, I just couldn't believe what was happening. And then I'm just thankful that Rianne came. So she was at the back of the, the group to, you know, do crowd control. And I remember we were walking up, um, we we were walking up a, a, a hill and I remember I stopped and I turned around. And it was just a sea of black women. And I was just so overwhelmed. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And yeah, I, to, to this day, I still think about it. And I'm just so moved and overwhelmed that I was able to just lead so many black women on a hike. And I've never seen so many black women yeah. on a hike in my life. And it was just so monumental and yeah, it's just a really special experience. For me. I can imagine that that must have been an amazing experience and the kind of community feel that that creates, kind of sisterhood. I think that's one of the really special things about the organisation that I really liked as well when I was looking into it. Yeah, I think it was just being able to hear the different conversations and, and you know, I was able to kind of talk to the crowd and and everyone and and people saying how much, you know, they needed this and how much it was good to see and how much, you know, they really um, love the idea of black women coming together hiking because they've never heard of anything like that before or, or even heard that it was available to them. And so that was like really inspiring for me. So it, yeah, it just it just showed how much this is definitely needed. Yeah. And so you, you've talked about, you know, these positive experiences that you've had whilst hiking. But in an article that you wrote for the British Mountaineering Council magazine, you said that, you know, exploring the outdoors hasn't always been this comfortable experience. So I was just curious to know, perhaps have you experienced any racism or slight microaggressions on any of your walks? I would say that I haven't. It's hard to to explain, because if you've grown up knowing um, and having a lived experience of racism and microaggressions yeah. anyway, so you know how to kind of deal with them and mm-hmm. and like put them in the back of your mind. Um, so I don't think necessarily for myself, I can't say that I have experienced anything overt um, on any of my walks. But that doesn't mean that overt things, you know, overt racism doesn't happen or doesn't occur. Um, I think we, you know, you do get the slight looks and, you know, the uncomfortable moves and the shuffles when you're around. And I've experienced people speaking, you know, over me or, or thinking that I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know where I'm going. Um, and although that may seem quite small to some people, but in the 
grand scheme, you kind of know what that presence isn't necessarily welcomed or known for being in those spaces. Um, I do want to give one example of when I went for my first solo in Wales um, last year. And a friend of mine that I was working with, uh, when I came back, she asked me, did I feel uncomfortable as a woman going out hiking alone and things like that you know, in a rural space? And I said to her that um, the one thing that I don't, um, that I'm not kind of cautious with isn't like being a woman. Yes, mm-hmm. I have to take that into consideration. But I think it's more so when I do go to rural spaces, I'm more cautious about my race because I don't know what type of attitudes I will be met with. Um, and I don't know, you know, how people will perceive my presence. And so I do believe that there is a safety element that comes with, you know, when as a black woman being in the outdoors, having to kind of have that kind kind of understanding of you know how to navigate those spaces and I think you know black girls hike is something that we really want to not only encourage as a representation but also as a safe space to think about people's safety as well yeah because uh, you know a lot of it has to do with attitudes so as you're just saying obviously people have these preconceptions or stereotypes you know about black women So what essentially needs to change is these attitudes. And that's something your organization is helping do by breaking down barriers and essentially challenging stereotypes of who belongs in the outdoors. Yeah, I think it's just being able to see people doing things that, you know, you didn't necessarily think you can do. So one of the things when I started, you know, like really getting into hiking that people would ask me is, oh, do black people hike? if it's like a secret thing and I'm usually like yes black people do hike (laughs) black people love to hike yeah it's this assumption again that you know black people are this monolith group that we all have the same kind of mindset we all have the same kind of experience and that's not necessarily true um and I think when you see people doing things that you you haven't usually seen them do it can be a positive kind of uh showing that oh wow like people do do this we can take space and a representation you know that is that is something that is going to make people feel comfortable and, and more invited to the outdoors yeah representation is the kind of panchia for everything but I think it is a starting point yeah um, and so this kind of links well to what I want to talk about next which is a report that was published by Natural England last year and this highlighted that both BAME and white people viewed the countryside as very much a white environment um, so we've kind of touched upon this but why do you think the outdoors you know is so strikingly white? Oh <laughs> quite, a big, big, quite a big question yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah it is a big question I think because historically majority of places um, are predominantly white, I think there's no getting away from that. But I think the perception is that it is a space uh, that only white people can access and white people know the rules and they know how to navigate that space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the reason why maybe people may be hesitant to go to those areas, especially if you're from kind of an urban area so I was born and and raised in London and so being from kind of an urban area you didn't necessarily go to those areas as a pastime I think in the BMC Summit magazine article that I wrote I talked a lot about um, how 
you know, when my parents came to this country, they were met with racist hostility um, from white people. And so you associate kind of racist hostility with white predominant areas and that can feed into your psyche and your psychology. And so, you know, you have a hesitation to go to these areas because like I said before, you don't know what attitudes you're going to be met with. And so if that is kind of infused in your upbringing, you're going to associate rural areas as a predominantly white space that you don't feel welcome or you aren't welcomed into. So I think the assumption can be that, you know, it's a white middle-class pastime to go hiking in these rural, amazing, beautiful landscapes and that, you know, we are not entitled to access them as much as, as white people are. I think there's there's lots of people that have done like amazing talks uh, uh, about kind of um, this topic, but I think it's something that needs to be kind of uh, unpacked from not just a historical point of view, but also from, you know, people's lived experience and people who have grown up in urban areas and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, because a lot of people do find you know, conversations about race just, you know, uncomfortable in general, but I think in order for you know constructive change to actually happen, it is necessary. And so you mentioned about you know hostility that your your parents faced, and that reminds me of the Country Files episode that um, aired in June. And I'm sure you are aware <laughs> of, of what I'm about to talk about. But for the um, listeners who aren't aware, this was basically uh, an episode that addressed how Bain people felt unwelcome in the countryside, and it sparked a lot of controversy. So people online were saying they felt that Black Lives Matter was basically being shoved down their throats. So if you can think back to, you know, when that um, when all that hostility and criticism was being said, what were your thoughts and what was your like reaction to that? I guess my initial reaction was anger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think <laughs> but I think as I started to kind of sit with it and process it and think about why I'm not surprised at the reactions that that got. I think I'm past the point of being surprised whenever, you know, people highlight, you know, BLM or highlight anything to do with diversity or black people in the outdoors or in just in any sphere. So I wasn't necessarily surprised at the reactions. I think, like I wrote in the, the article, it's not, I think people, the conversation moves away from what it needs to be targeted um towards when it just looks at oh how can the outdoors be racist because I know that was a lot of the rhetoric that was coming out of the the episode it was like oh the out just put your boots on and get outdoors and and I think that is a very simplistic way to address the fact that there's so much that is that is under underpinned by you can't just put your boots on and get outdoors I think there's a lot of things that aren't talked about so you know people's socioeconomic conditions um, the fact that in urban areas green spaces are being uh, removed or neglected or aren't as much looked after so I think in terms of my response to that kind of episode was how can we move this conversation away from oh the how can the outdoors be racist to something more productive of what has contributed to people believing that the outdoors isn't for them um, and how can we now 
kind of open up that conversation more by looking at, you know, the historical side of, you know, the, the attitudes towards the outdoors, you know, what is it that, um, where is it that we're, we're putting information about the outdoors for people to access? Um, how do we engage with community groups that are already on the ground um, in terms of making uh, diverse groups, bringing them into the outdoors and things like that? How do we intersect people's culture to the outdoors and, and different elements of that? So I think, no, the outdoors isn't racist, but as I mentioned before, it has been colored by racism and imperialism and all of those different historical aspects to understanding how is it that we are at the point that we are. So ultimately so, accessibility, that, that, that plays a huge, huge part in this. And so bringing the conversation to the present moment, that makes me think, you know, we're in this current lockdown, but both of the lockdowns that we have been through in the UK have really highlighted um, an inequality that, you know, that Bain people, they do have limited access to green areas. So I wanted to know, what do you think or what action do you think needs to be taken by local authorities, by the government to help diversify the outdoors and just make it more inclusive and more accessible to people of colour? Yeah, I think not everyone has to go to the Lake District or the Peak District to experience an amazing time in the outdoors. Um, I've done quite, during the lockdown period, I've done a, quite a lot of trying to explore my local area or exploring London a bit more. Because one thing I do love about London is that, you know, transportation is really good. And so you, you're not too far from a bus stop or from a train station. But I think one of the key things that I would love for local councils to do is to really invest in green spaces in, in certain areas. So like down the road from me, there is an amazing field, um, green space and a park, but it's just been so neglected. Yeah. And so when you have these spaces that are neglected, it's, it, what does it say to that local community? that they are not worth the investment in those green spaces. And so how can we transform um, the green spaces that we have so that people in the local area can um, learn to love it and can have the knowledge to upkeep it and to see it as something that they own as part of their community. So I think it's investing in the green spaces that we have and making it more accessible for people to and be able to get to. Yeah, and so as, as part of that, do you think that, say, the, the governing bodies or, you know, the owners of these national trusts or, you know, these green spaces, do you think they need to be more representative? Because, you know, figures show that people of Bain backgrounds, they make up less than 1% of governing bodies of national parks. So in order for things to be more inclusive do you think those bodies need to be more representative yeah I definitely think that the bodies need to be representative of different voices I think if you get the same voices you just end up having an echo chamber as we all know so I think being able to have a diverse range of voices with people who have different lived experiences will never hurt um, you know being in those governing bodies but I think what happens is when it comes to diversity and inclusion, it always gets put as a uh, any other business on a meeting agenda and it's never really come back to and it's never thought of in a really strategic um, kind of visionary way or innovative way. And so you have efforts that 
are all well and well and intentioned but they don't produce um kind of grounded results because they are not kind of thought of with the com- either the communities in mind or the communities having an input or represent representatives of those communities having an input in in kind of pushing that strategy forward so we're talking about national parks and green areas there but in general do you think that let's say brands and organizations and companies do you think they are making progress um, to improve diversity and inclusion and trying to actively move beyond the kind of tokenistic approach to EDI or do you think a lot of this is just a passing fad for many companies well um I mean I don't I don't know what everyone is doing but the what the companies that I have worked for um I definitely see an integrity in them wanting to mm-hmm. listen and not just learn, but be proactive in taking diversity and inclusion, especially if it, it is they want to incorporate more black voices in the conversation. I think they are taking it seriously. I think you can tell when brands, uh, you know, just jumped on the BLM bandwagon yeah. and, you know, they, they, they weren't going to take it seriously because of, you know, how maybe what they're talking the conversations that they're having and what they're pushing forward now is just an evidence of them not really wanting to take it um take it forward but the the organizations that I've worked with and the conversations that I've had with people uh are definitely ones that I think uh organizations that want to really take this seriously and I think another thing is sometimes the the terminology of diversity and inclusion incorporates so many, like it's so broad and it's so uh, big. And I think um, the companies and organizations that I've worked with really want to, if it is that you want to incorporate more black voices or you want to talk about ethnic disparities and inequalities, um, that them being specific in what it is that they want to address. And I think, you know, sometimes it can feel like you use diversity and inclusion as a catch-all term without actually thinking about the people that are within those catch-all terms. And so I think um, it has been, there have been people who have just been using it as a tokenistic uh, means, but there are people who are uh, genuinely about trying to improve and make progress and change. And so... Returning now back to Black Girls Hike, it makes me think about the organisation and what the future plans for the organisation are and perhaps how you hope to see Black Girls Hike growing in the future. Yeah, I think for me, the kind of future for Black Girls Hike is to really become an organisation that builds upon encouraging Black women to to get out into the outdoors um, having something where we can train um, people to become mountain leaders, to become kind of hill walking leaders, um, just really being a hub for, for Black women to be able to uh, develop and grow and just take up space in the outdoors. I think that for me would be just the phenomenal thing to see for our future. So as as a final question, just before we end, I want to know what advice would you give to black women who want to get involved um, in hiking, but are perhaps a bit hesitant to do so because they've either had little or no experience at all? So the advice I would give is um, join Black Girls (laughs) Hike. 
So come on a, a Black Girls Hike hike, and uh, see for yourself whether it's something that you really want to get into. Speak to people about it. Um, I definitely would say just find your local green space and, and explore there. Um, but also know that, you know, Black Girls Hike is available for everyone. Um, and when I mean everyone, I mean Black women. Yeah. <laughs> Before there's any confusion there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to come and explore the outdoors and uh, just know that you don't have to do it alone and there is a community group for you to do it with. Um, yeah. How can um, people find out more about the organisation and how to get involved? So are there any links? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram. So uh, BGH UK bgh underscore uk <laughs> you can find us on twitter and facebook as well um so that's where we kind of post all of our walks and upcoming events and anything that we'll do and we'll keep it all on our socials so people can get involved as well okay that's really wonderful i want to thank you so much Oga, for having this conversation with me today uh, i think this is a really insightful and often dismissed topic that we got to discuss for those who do want to get involved in Black Girls Hike or are simply interested in finding out more about the organisation, I'll include the links in the description box of the podcast. So thank you so much once again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. Wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to hear from you. What were your learnings from today's conversation? Is there anything you'd like to add? Let us know using the hashtag TEGpodcast on Twitter or you can reach out to us anytime via contact at theequalgroup.com. And in the meantime, head on over to our website, theequalgroup.com, for more insights and articles around equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Why not join our mailing list to be the first to get updates on all the latest EDI news as well as our free monthly EDI training webinars. And finally, to stay tuned for more podcast interviews coming up soon, make sure you are following us at The Equal Group on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, everyone.